if you will, turn to 1 Corinthians. Now, I'm going to preface what I'm about to talk about today because this is kind of different. I'm going to call this a new lump. Well, if you knew what it was, you'd probably go, oh, okay. But uh, 1 Corinthians 5, and uh, I'm going to say this before I start. I believe this, God's love is without condition toward all men, okay? I believe salvation and having God in your life is an absolute free gift that you cannot earn. You have to receive it by faith. And there's nothing you can do to make God not love you. You with me? But you're not automatically saved. You still have to receive the Lord even though he loves you. And then I believe there's even a greater degree of God's love on the people who receive him. Because the Bible's clear. He bestows his love upon us when we give our lives to the Lord by calling us his own children. Okay? And then it says all the promises to us that are children are yes and so be it in the Lord. Or amen. Flat out. That's how God looks at it toward you. So with that being said, let's read these verses right here. 1 Corinthians 5 one and two, and then we're going to jump down to verse six. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles. In other words, you hear about sexual immorality out there, but he said, listen, it's occurring in the church in a way that you don't even hear about it out there. He said that a man has his father's wife. In other words, this guy is with his stepmom. And they're just sitting in church every week. And everybody knows these two are having sex outside of marriage. And everybody knows it. Woohoo! They just know it. See, I told you, that's why I prefaced what I was going to start. Don't fall off the bandwagon yet. And he said, and you are puffed up. Literally, it reads, you're arrogant. And have not rather mourned. That he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. In other words... If he's just openly going to do this and openly going to rebel. Now, some people do things in secret, but openly rebel. He said he should just be not among you. He should be put out. Now, notice verse 6. And hear me on this, okay? Let me talk for a while before you get up and leave. He said in verse 6, and he's still talking about the same thing. He said, your glorying is not good. So now he says, before he said you're puffed up or you're arrogant, now he said you're glorying. And this was all their attitude toward this life or lifestyle that's occurring in the church. He said, your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Remember I said, I'm going to talk about a new lump. Well, what is leaven? Leaven is what you put in bread or, you know, yeast is different, but they, uh, 
they make the bread expand and it loses its substance and gets lots of air pockets in it. We appreciate bread like that, right? You don't want it to be real hard and thick. You want lots of air in it. But you don't want to be inflated like that as a group of believers. Because when your attitude gets affected, and he was warning them, your whole attitude is changing toward these things that are occurring. When you start thinking there's no difference between the world and us, and you, the lines get blurry, you start forgetting about the lost. You start forgetting that there are people outside of God. Because you look at them and you go, oh, well, what they are and what they are is what we are. And we're not. But it's interesting, he goes on to say, he said, your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven. And this has got to do with that guy who would just not change. Now, if you know the Bible, they did give him the road. But he repented later and came back. And they were to receive him back. And they were never to treat him like he wasn't a brother when he was gone. But it says this, that you therefore purge out the old leaven, which has to do with the attitude too. Because the leaven, we're the lump, and the attitude was in us or the church there. An attitude had started permeating them where they saw nothing wrong with certain things. It says, therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. See, told you, my sermon title is scriptural, a new lump. So when you leave today, people are like, well, how is church? Well, I feel like I'm a new lump. And they go, what? He said this, since you truly are unleavened, even though leaven gets in, truly in your spirit, you are unleavened. Believers are unleavened. Why? Because he said, indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Now, you may not understand that, but that's where unleavened bread was applied or used during the Passover, and it was a symbol of the body of the Lord that was broken. And leaven is a type of sin or false doctrine. And so it says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. An interesting thing about this and the day we live in, and I thought this would be real interesting because I believe the Lord dealt with me about this, is in the church back then, they were to, you know, there were people who had divisions, strife, bickering, and it was all wrong. They weren't kicking everybody out and they're like, well, there's one person left. It wasn't like that. And there were other people doing wrong in this church. We know they were getting drunk and doing all this stuff. And there were just things happening. But they weren't kicking them out. But there was correction. There were certain things. But the reason why I say this is because there was the idea of keeping certain things out that were just flamboyantly played out in the church for the safety of the whole church. You know, the book of Proverbs has all kinds of warnings. One of them is, don't be friends with an angry man. Don't hang out with him lest you learn of his ways and get a snare unto your soul. 
It's important who we hang out with. It's important what we hang out with. But what I find it so interesting in the day and age we live is we may not kick somebody out of church for doing certain things, or if we did, okay. I mean, we haven't kicked anybody out. But what's interesting is he said when these things were allowed to get in and stay, he said they brought a change of attitude towards how God looked at things and how they were looking at things. What I find interesting today is that a church, what if we did kick somebody out? Let's just say we did. You know, the leader said, hey, you're doing this openly. It's totally wrong. You don't even want to change. You need to leave. Okay, out they go. Okay, they're gone. But here's what I find interesting in our society today, not just so much about them back then, and this may be a gut check. We may back then have said people need to leave, but how many of us leave on Sunday and through the week allow through television what, or movies what they wouldn't even allow for one person to practice, not even themselves, but then we'll go watch movies that are just full of adultery and wonder why we deal with lust and full of people getting drunk and wonder why we have a problem with wanting to get drunk. And then we have no, there's just indifference toward any kind of life or lifestyle because they were told to get them out of their midst. But in our day and age, we have a different factor. We can feed on this all week long. And if they were supposed to get it out of their meeting, that would pretty much just leave for society to deal with that. But today, people can go home and they can go watch a movie or a video that's got a bunch of F-words all day long. And then what happens is, is people become, like he said, no longer sorrowing for those things. Those things grieve God. They do. I've said this. If, if when we get to heaven, there's a movie night, I want to ask you, is the movie you're watching playable there? What movie did you bring today, you know, in heaven to movie night? And you're like, oh, I didn't know there was a bunch of all these cuss words and stuff. Could you imagine playing that with God and the Lord Jesus right there? Oh, it got quiet. Nobody said amen. <laughs> so it's like, I wouldn't play that one there. There's no way I'd play that one there. But if we wouldn't play it there, we're still sons and daughters of God when we give our lives to the Lord. You with me? And he was concerned about the effect this was having on this group of people that, you know, their attitudes were changing. They're no longer sorrowing over sin anymore. They're just indifferent. They got to the point there where they just gloried and whatever. But in our day and age, 
could we be affected because we leave and go do the things or feed on things that they wouldn't even have allowed in the church? But remember this, the church is not just the building, the church is the people in the building. And if it was dangerous back then, it's dangerous now. Now, I'm not talking about, let's all, you know, I'm going to, I just want to let you know now, you know, after you do the pay, sale pitch, I bought 5,000 acres up in the mountains. It's all private. We're going to build a city. I'm selling one acre lots. If you'd like to sign up in the lobby, it's going to be the perfect utopia and there's not, no, that's not how we do this. The Bible says we're in the world, but not of the world. And we're to be salt and light. You can't avoid being around people who cuss and say, well, I'm going to quit this job. No, we have a responsibility. But here's the thing. Are we feeding in such a way that makes us indifferent and makes us no longer sorrowful? You know, I remember the songs my friends used to listen to, and I listened to them too. And we all did drugs, and we all partied, and we did all this stuff when I was in the world. And I remember the songs, you know, driving that train, high on cocaine, you know. And, but you hear that and think, well, then there's nothing wrong. If you feed on that, do you sit there and not realize that what are you listening to? Are you allowing yourself to be, come non-sorrowful towards sin? And not even recognizing it? Just saying. Remember I said we're saved by grace. Turn to Matthew uh, 17. So he said there, I mean, he made some interesting statements. Uh, and, but because of the effect it would have on people's attitudes. I mean, if he was concerned about them not sorrowing over sin, could it mean then that eventually people would sin and not even sorrow over their own sin? We know that happened there because he talked about godly sorrow. There are people that don't sorrow because they do wrong. They sorrow because they got caught. There's a big difference. In other words, they're not bothered by what they're doing. They're bothered that they got caught. That shows that there's something depleted in them. In other words, I should be bothered not because you're going to catch me, but because something in me catches me. And I go, ugh, I don't like that. Matthew 17. Are you there? Here's an interesting set of scriptures, too. And um, talking about making sure we don't allow certain things into our lives. Matthew 17, and we'll begin reading in verse 16. Jesus here is going to talk to his disciples, the close ones. Matthew 17, verse 16. So I brought, this was a guy who brought this demon-possessed guy to the disciples, then to Jesus, or child. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. They, they couldn't help him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless 
and perverse generation. He's talking about his disciples. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Verse 18, Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Verse 19, then his disciples came to him privately and said, why could we not cast him out? Why could we not get results? Now notice, they expected results. Somebody said, well, they needed more power. If you're taking notes, you can read this when you get home. Matthew 10, 1, Jesus had already given these guys power over all demons and all evil spirits. They already had the power to do it. They didn't need power. Right? I mean, go, you can, maybe I should turn there because people are thinking, I never heard such a thing. Matthew 10, 1, and when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. But after a week, this will wear off and you'll have to come back and get more power. No, I added that. They had it. But over here, they're attempting to use it. And something has happened to short-circuit it from working. And they said, how come we couldn't? They didn't say, how come you did? And we saw you did. How come we couldn't? They expected, and we should expect, that we can get results too. But notice this phrase right here where we're talking about certain things creeping in. Notice verse 17. Jesus said this to his disciples. Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse. Perverse generation. Now, now when we think of perverse, you know, you think, oh, that guy's a pervert. You know, at least when I was in school, that, that person, they're a pervert. You know, and we think of it as just some way twisted person. He just called his disciples that. And this generation. What is the word perverse? What does it mean? It literally means two things in the Greek. It means to be corrupted or to turn aside. The definition for corruption, even from the dictionary, says to change or debase by making errors or unintentional alterations. How many people have let certain things into their life that have called, caused unintentional alterations to their attitude toward God? toward his things, to how he looks at things. You know, some people have God on their terms in their life, not on his terms. And if he ever challenged them, 
they would maybe think, well, we'll see if that's good for me. Now, I'm not saying anybody here. You know I'm talking about that church down there. No, everybody has to deal with this idea of, have I been corrupted by allowing things, like it says, unintentional alterations? Could I feed on something, listen to something? You can get corrupted unintentionally by listening to wrong religious things. That's how they got corrupted. How many people would today, if, if there was somebody who had a demon, they wouldn't command that thing to leave. They'd say, Jesus or God, do something in their life right now. And if nothing happened, they'd say, we're waiting on God. They're corrupted. They're corrupted. We don't know why. They're corrupted. Why? Because go read the Bible. Even in this set of scriptures... Jesus rebuked the disciples for not calming a storm. Jesus rebuked the disciples for not dealing with this devil. Jesus rebuked them or didn't rebuke them. He told them, you feed the hungry. He said, you do something. In other words, you have authority. But the church world as a whole is not taught that every believer has authority so over the devil and over all kinds of stuff. So they pray to God and go, come on, God, do something. Isn't it interesting? Jesus said, how long will I be with you? How long will I suffer you? He was saying, I'm not going to be here. You're going to have to be able to do this because man has authority that was given to them. And so many people are praying to God to do certain things that he's already given the church, meaning individuals in the church, authority over it. But we become corrupted by religious ideas, and we don't even know sometimes that what we feed on can corrupt us. And then we say, well, you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He told you exactly how he worked. And if you get that stupid idea in your head, you're going to get corrupted. You just never know what the Lord's going to do. That's being corrupted spiritually. And, and the definition, which I find real fascinating, unintentional alterations that have taken place. The Bible said we're to give the more earnest heed to the things that we've been taught in the Word, lest at any time they slip away. Is the Word important? You better believe it. It's the most important thing, period. And if you want strong faith, it comes through the word, period. And if you don't want strong faith, then don't sweat it. But if you want to know the facts are the facts, everybody has to be careful not to be corrupted. I mean, you can watch TV and you can get corrupted if you're not careful. And I will say this, I believe every single believer without exception has been dealt with by God to keep things out of their life that would corrupt them without question. There's not one, not one. The Bible said that 
anybody who's not corrected by the Lord or dealt with inside, you're not his child. Somewhere the Lord has tried to deal with you. Well, why? He doesn't want you corrupted. He wants you to get results. He wants certain things to work in your life. He loves you. He's for you. He knows these things are not like, well, it's just good entertainment. Is it to go watch a movie where a guy sleeps with a girl on the first date? And, you know, the first time they meet, they're hanging on each other. And then they're sleeping together. And that's cool because they're action heroes. And then we wonder why when we try to raise our kids to be moral, that, that they struggle when they go out with somebody. I remember this was a discussion in junior high. And you'll laugh. This wasn't 1930 either. How many days or how many days do you go out with a girl or times till you kiss her? That's not even a question today. The question today is for the world is, well, did you have sex or not? And if that's what we feed on, could it corrupt us? And in an unintentional corruption that we didn't realize we were actually a part in the program. Well, this is going about as good as I thought it was going to go. I'm sure God's endeavoring to correct us and direct us. Why? Because anything that gets in you that shouldn't be there will cause ill effect. What if you went to the doctor today and they, they, they took blood and they said, wow, you've got serious problems. And, and they're like, you're like I do. I do feel a little bad. They're like, there's battery acid in your blood. Oh, yeah, I was drinking that the other day. Why were you doing that? Well, it was just, I didn't think it was a big deal. We know how our body works. What about our spiritual life? What if you came in this morning, we had video clips playing, and then this one had a bunch of F words and dirty jokes. This one, people are sleeping around, showing girls without their top on. He's like, well, I'd bring a friend. (laughs) You need to sorrow. But I mean, if you had that up there, you would think, oh my goodness. Uh, Hopefully we would. Right? Right? But why is it not good here, but it's good other places? If we know it's not good here, we know it's corrupting. We know it. We already inherently know it's corrupting. Flat out, we know it. We don't have to lie. We can be honest. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But we know. But what happens is if we feed on all these things, they can corrupt us little by little till we don't sorrow over it anymore. Hey, the world glories over sin. And he said the church was in danger of that back then because they were starting to feed and accept it. So to purge it out means to just flush the system. Don't put it in. I am sure of this, 
that on TV, how they portray the church, Christians, and everything. And I'm not saying don't watch TV. I'm not saying don't go to the movies. But I'm saying follow God and know what is worth staying for or not staying for. What's worth turning the channel? What news media to turn off and when to turn it off and not just feed on it all day long? They degrade one of the long-standing shows, The Simpsons. Disrespect your parents. We want children to obey their parents when parents are right, obviously. You know what I mean? Trying to, I mean, you get what I'm saying. But you get a program that has a wimpy, weirdo priest or minister, and then on shows, the minister, unless maybe it was an old Western where he turned into a gunslinger, then that's cool. No. But you know what I mean? They degrade things, and then when the priest goes in or the minister goes in to deal with the devil, he gets chased out, and the devil's super powerful, and the devil's in charge, right? And, and everybody's afraid of the devil. Even the minister is afraid of the devil. All the Christians are afraid of the devil. What happens is people get corrupted, believers can, and, and they'll begin to think small and to think too natural. And some movies will promote that, that all religions are okay. Jesus doesn't want us to be corrupted in that way because he loves the world. And he's for the world. But you can, you, how come people only argue about Christianity? Now blow up the Jews, but fight the Christian value and we're just saying it's a free gift, and whosoever will, let him come. Why is there a fight? Let everybody talk about everything but that. Why is there a fight? Are there unseen forces in this world? Have people started swaying with them and moving with them? Here's what happens. If we're not careful, they'll compare the devil to God and they'll make the devil seem big and circumstances and problems real big and, and, and we'll just see that stuff all the time and then we, we don't realize it's corrupted us from going, no, God's bigger. God's powerful. He can work on this. We can trust. We can use our faith. We can command things to happen and they'll work. But if we're not careful... We can get corrupted. God doesn't want us corrupted. You with me? And one literal, the other definition is to turn away. How many people have just turned away from trying to make a stand after they've been polluted? The true story, and I've told it before, my roommate in Bible school, he got married right before we went to Bible school, uh, and we, we rented an apartment, and you walked into the living room, and on the right there was a master suite, and on the left there was a master suite. You know, they each had their own bathroom. And so uh, he, I mean, you know, we're in Bible school. We love God. If anybody loves God, we love God, right? Well, he would work, and then he would come home, and he would just start watching TV every single night. He would tell me how I love this. I remember he had warts all over his hands and on his body, you know. 
had him all his life, you know. And he started learning about Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He started getting turned on, and he started commanding those things to get off his body. Because you know why I know? Because he said, could I pray in there in the living room? You know, that way my wife has space, you have space, would you mind? No, no problem. So I'd hear him, you know, praying. I call these things a curse according to Galatians 3.13. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Deuteronomy 28 says this, that these things are a curse. Therefore, in Christ I'm redeemed. The blessing of Abraham's on me. In, in, in a few months, they all disappeared, just disappeared, and he had had them his whole life. He's on fire for God. I mean, he saw them all disappear. He just started cursing them. Stayed with it. But then he got home and he just started watching TV every night. And he'd be watching some of the late night stuff. You know, and eventually the Lord dealt with me. You need to go talk to him. And he said, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm ready to quit school right now. He quit praying, quit reading, and he's like, I'm done. He's like, I don't even sense God anymore. He's like, I don't even like all this stuff. He's married. He's a Bible school student. Six months ago, he believed he was called of God. He got so numb. I said, let me tell you something. I said, the Lord's dealt with me. You need to turn that TV off. He said, you know, the Lord has dealt with me about that back then. He said, I don't even sense that anymore. He was just numb. He had gotten corrupted and defiled. I said, just force yourself for a couple weeks to go to school. He goes, it takes everything for me just to get there. I said, force yourself and turn the TV off. And he did it. And after about a month, he said, you know what? I'm, things are changing. After about three, four months, he said, man, I got my fire back. He said, I love God. I sense God working in my life again. He didn't even realize it was unintentional. And it wasn't that God hated him and God was trying to take something from him. God knew that if you add that in there, things that he deals with you not to add, it can have a bad effect. And what's interesting is years later, he sent me a postcard at Christmas. And, you know, Merry Christmas. Thanks. And he said, I, I just want to let you know, he said, in my own life, he said, Anytime I notice I'm getting a little bit cold, I go back and check those things you talked to me about. And he said, and I always recognize that's where I've missed it. And he said, and I'll just correct it. And he said, my fire will come back. God deals with all his people. Amen. He wants all of us to have results. And we don't want to get robbed from thinking big and believing big and expecting big and believing that God wants to do big and good stuff in our lives. Amen.